when my first escrow office um, win and she called me for $250, right, signing, I split that and I called up one of my sorority sisters. If someone knows what they want and they know that you have it, then what's left to agree on? When can you come? That's the question I'm wondering. Let's talk about notary. I'll give an example of what that looks like in the notary. Fascinating. From the international best-selling author Tiger Toledo, the rise of the smart notary. The notary business will never be the same again. This book is designed and engineered to help notaries cash flow their business. And as a number one new release on Amazon and hit the top five bestsellers list, this is the perfect gift for this holiday season. Buy one now for yourself and a fellow notary public. Available now on Amazon. Grab your copy today. And if this book doesn't make you money, you can block us. If you're feeling the vibe, join the tribe and subscribe. That was good. Okay, <laughs> go. Get out of here. How could you be so heartless? Fascinating. No one meant to have all that, all that. I'm a sick nigga. I like a quick. Give, good morning. Good morning. If you, greetings from the West Coast. If you're on the West Coast, greetings to you. If you're on the East Coast, then hey, good afternoon to you. Or it might be close to afternoon, but this is the Notary War Room show. And like you always know, we keep it as simple as possible. We try to give you the information that you're going to need so that the notary public entrepreneur, the business owner, the creator, the innovator inside of you can get some information so that you can, uh, you can navigate uh, the world perfectly without hitting on the minefield so you can avoid those traps. So um, today, this morning, we are um, honored and we're privileged to have our esteemed guest, Mr. Herbert T. Patty, who is the, the owner of uh, uh, his own law firm. He is from, uh, he hails from Georgia, got his undergraduate degree from the Georgia Institute of Technology, and he is a graduate of the Santa Clara Law School, the distinguished Santa Clara Law School, which is an interesting thing because, you know, that positions you right in the middle of Silicon Valley. So I definitely want to say uh, thank you for joining us on the Notary War Room. And my name is Tekamaku, Etikama Jeremiah Maku, Dr. Tech Music. And uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I want to definitely give you the chance to introduce yourself to the all right, well, uh, Jeremiah Tech, you know, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, you know, glad to be here again. Um, you know, I guess my uh, business name is Herbert Patty, but I feel like I'm amongst family. So you guys can refer to me as Teddy. That's what most of my family and friends refer, refer to me as. Uh, yep, I'm from Georgia. Um, went to Georgia Tech, moved out to the, uh, to the West Coast. Uh, I kind of started my career and I've been here in California for about 19 years, kind of right here in Silicon Valley. So uh, in terms of my experiences, um, I work, well, I work in-house in terms of a large corporation. I kind of still work there, <laughs> a different company now. I have my own law practice. I'm also an entrepreneur as well. So I feel that, you know, in terms of on the, on the law side, I, I you know, typically advise clients uh and entrepreneurs in terms of you know what steps they should they should take in terms of protecting their own intellectual property uh and but at the same time 
I'm also an entrepreneur myself. I get inspired by my clients. And so we're, we're kind of, you know, we're pretty much in the same state uh, uh, in regards to that as well. So, um, you know, family, uh, wife, we met uh, in here at law school. She's from North Carolina. Ain't too many uh, 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 melanated people at Santa Clara Law School. So we kind of linked up <laughs> her first year. And, and uh, you know, we have three kids here, uh, here in, uh, in the South Bay. So uh, pleasure to be here and, and kind of look forward to this uh, to the discussion of uh, intellectual property, business, et cetera. So you heard it here first. He's a husband, he's a father, and he's an entrepreneur. So just to give you a little bit of context, you know, you're speaking to, so the people who are in the audience, right? Mm -hmm. The people who are in the audience, and first of all, this is a notary public, mm -hmm. it's originated as a notary public room, notary public space. Mm -hmm. And me personally, I love what's being created here, what's being built. I've never seen anything like this. Have you seen anything quite like this before? I have not. This is uh, this is all new to me. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be here, you know? So, that, which brings up the point of, you know, we are in Silicon Valley, which we, the two of us, we're fortunate enough to be in Silicon Valley, the, the capital of innovation. Right. Right. The capital of creativity. Right. Even though that's expanding around in uh, different parts of the globe now, but this area is known for that, for right. Apple headquarters, you know, Google headquarters, Facebook headquarters, you know, in the uh, Xerox, you know, you want an HP, paper, you can, the list goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so just that in and of itself kind of breeds a specific type of person. But the room that you're speaking to right now is course creators. Okay. Notary public professionals. Okay. Book authors. Okay. Digital content creators, things like that. So, so the people who are in this room, these are people who are the creative types. Why should, why in the attempt to build their business, in their entrepreneurs, by the way, too, as well, and as they move forward, whether it's the beginning, whether they've been years in, why, in your opinion, would having access to an intellectual property attorney or at least being aware of what is out there, why is intellectual property, why would that be relevant to somebody who's of that, who comes from that type of cloth? Right. Well, Tech, I mean, simply put, I mean, you know, we're all inspired. And part of the inspiration, again, I won't get into anything spiritual today. <laughs> but Go ahead. Um, Go right ahead. You feel it. Go I can ahead. do it. Okay. Well, you know, God inspires us, right? And part of that inspiration is creativity, right? Um, it's it's known, you know, that you know that download you get from above is going to happen several times per year. A few good ones, right? But some folks they're very prolific, and they just have a knack for things that are creative. They can just come up with really witty ideas it's like a gift but uh for, you know for everyone else you'll get a few per year and if you are inspired with this creativity and you act upon it you got to protect it and you know i'm very fortunate um to be living in this time because i'm not going to age myself but i remember there was a time where we were inspired we did act upon things as a community and we just didn't really have access to the information in terms of how we protect it. And then we bring something forth to the world 
right, that changes the world, causes a shift, and other people monopolize it, and they take it from us, and they make more money than we did, and God gave us the gift, and so, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate that in this day and age, that one, you have more people resources, you know, I'm not only IP attorney of color, right, there's plenty that you can choose from, you can just kind of go online through social media, you can find them, right, before, and when I was coming up in the 90s, I didn't know any attorneys. And I darn sure didn't know any IP attorneys. Really, intellectual property law is it's, intellectual property is kind of a buzzword. It's something that's been trending probably for the last 15, 20 years. But the patent office goes back to the late 1800s. It's mm. in the Constitution. You've had patent attorneys for a long time. Back in the day, they were all kind of, not all, but many of them were kind of concentrated uh, at least in California and San Francisco, the city, right? You didn't really have a lot of uh, IP attorneys, pen attorneys in particular, uh, uh, that were even in, in the South Bay. And so uh, it's a great time that we live in because the information, social media has to some extent democratized information. Let's put it out there, right? You don't have to go to law school. You don't have to read a book just to know the basics. Now, the basics are pretty much out here. You have access to people who look like you, who may sound like you. So at this point, there's really no excuse from you picking up the phone, reaching out to them and say, attorney, I just want one hour of your time. Here's your money for one hour of your time. Give me the information I need. That's right. That's right. That's such a crucial investment right there. Just that one hour alone could completely change the trajectory. Mm -hmm. So I and I'll make this be completely transparent. I took part in, a, in an entrepreneur accelerator. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate enough to have taken part in an accelerator mm -hmm. at, in Silicon Valley of all places, which broke down some of the particulars about startup culture mm -hmm. and patent, uh, patent, patenting your processes and your developments. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about, can you talk about why the, when you create something or you are in the process of developing something and maybe the marketplace or maybe a business advisor shares with you that, hey, this is something, <laughs> like there's something there. Can you share with, in the process of developing, at what point, if you, if you are creating something, what point would you say, all right, it's time to go and have that one hour sit down with you or somebody else? That, that, that's a, good, uh, a good, good question, Ted. You know, the first thing when people come to me and they say, hey, I have a new invention, right? The first thing I ask them is, how long have you been working on it, right? <laughs> right? And let me just say, now, there's no bright line rule. Right, you know, it's gonna be different. In our time, it's case specific. But generally speaking, if I hear, yeah, I thought about this six weeks ago or 10 or 12 weeks ago, then I'll listen to them. We'll talk a little bit more. But I already have pretty much formulated my mind that you know what, you probably ain't ready yet. Now, if I hear you say, I've been thinking about this for a year or two, sometimes. I throw a number out here, 10 years, five years, right? Then I say, you know what? That person 
they probably really got something because a lot of times you'll get the initial spark of an idea, but it takes a lot of time and labor and money to mature, uh, to elevate the uh, what you've thought of the idea to something that is that has utility, that's actually an invention, the solution to the problem, right? We all have ideas, but you got to kind of move it forward and it takes time. Sometimes it may take a team, right? You can't, you can't do it all by yourself, right? And so, uh, again, I'm an entrepreneur. I had an idea back in 2012, and I just couldn't really shake the idea. I just started working on it, working on it. It took me a little bit longer than other. Uh, so, sorry about that. It, it, took, it, it, took, it, it took me a while, but it took me seven years to actually start the company, right? So, um, if you, I'll say this without putting a time parameter on it. If you really feel that you have an idea, you, you feel like you, you pretty much nailed it, you don't really see anything like it in the marketplace. You know what the secret sauce is. You know what separates what you have versus what's in the public domain. And you can say, you know what? I know why those other solutions don't work. If you can answer that question, you're probably ready. You probably should call an attorney at that time. Define bootlegging. Bootlegging? Uh, okay, well, um, in what context? You mean in terms of like, uh, like copying? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I, me and I got a rap group. I've been doing this right. since high school. We got a following. We got a social media following. We do some shows. We put out some albums, pass it out, go on tour, give mm -hmm. out CDs, pass out, date <laughs> myself. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, it's, it's on the radio, blowing up. Right. Right. Or I create a documentary. Mm -hmm. We got to publish a book. Maybe I create mm -hmm. a template. Mm hmm a framework, an outline, maybe I create something. Mm -hmm. and next thing I know, mm -hmm. it's everywhere. Well, check, let me just say this. Bootlegging, copying is ubiquitous. <laughs> it's all around you, it happens all the time. And the wonderful thing about social media is that you hear the stories there's so many stories back in the day stories used to travel word of mouth but now you see it happen so much no creator can really plead ignorance at this point in time because you know if you have something of value something that's creative and something that's kind of can penetrate the market then you know you got to protect it here's the thing honestly at this point in time we should all know that if you have come up with something of value, you need to protect it. To not protect something at this point in time would be derelict of duty, especially if you're the leader, you're kind of lead, leading your venture, right? And so copying is something that, imagine this, and this is not defending any people who copy, but imagine you came up with a great work, right? Back in whatever time frame. So now you, You've elevated yourself amongst everyone else. You have corporations, people that give you money that expect, okay, you know what? That the first book you did was great. Give me four more like it. Well, guess what? That first album was great. New sound, give me, give me four more according to the deal. 
and you're struggling to match your previous work. You had a lifetime to come up with the first one. There were no time parameters. There were no deadlines. You took your time and did it. Now someone says, guess what? You got five years to give me four more like that. And now people know that you're successful and they're sending you things, hoping that you will help them. But they're not realizing that, you know what? I'm under the gun myself. I have to come up with something creatively that, that's creative and something that's gonna be approved by the, by the powers that be, folks that I'm contractually bound to. That's a lot of pressure now, isn't it? So you see the temptation that I got all this stuff coming to me. I have access to the internet, just like everyone else. I have more of a discerning eye and ear now than I'm in this position, not justifying it, tech, mm. but you can see the temptation to steal and steal. Actually, you know, there's a good book out here. And the name of the book is Still Like an Artist. Mm. The entire premise of the book is <laughs> that some of your best artists, if you really do some research, and this is happens all the time in every genre, stealing is something that occurs a lot to the point where, honestly, I think it's an unwritten rule that is almost expected. Hmm. I think a lot it's of people hard to, can, uh, relate to that. Yep, it's hard or it's difficult in any area of endeavor to find something that's gonna penetrate the market, man. Especially now in 2022, we're all, we, you know, quote unquote, we're all connected or there are more connections. Your social media, we all have social media, we all have YouTube, et cetera. So, you know, there's a, um, a theory now in terms of startups. Back in the day, they were called, well, you know, you would trend and then you hit kind of the hockey stick inflection point and bam. That was 90s paradigm. Now in the, in the, where we live in now, things are boom. If you got something, if you really, really have what they call product market fit, that thing is exploding before you even have the infrastructure around it. What am I trying to say? Well, um, it's hard. There's so many things out in the marketplace to some degree, and I and I have to say this very carefully, if it hasn't really it have if it, it hasn't blown up yet, you probably need to keep tweaking it a bit more. Because you put out that album, the market heard it. They heard it. You put out that new product, the new clothing, they saw that. Right? right. You got a new restaurant. Somebody tried it out. And if it ain't pop, so you can imagine again going with the bootlegging thing is that okay, people in a position where they can't, they've been trying things forever, haven't have worked. They see something, oh, you know what? I believe that'll work. It's not mine. I want to blow up anyway. Let me take that and run with it. Mm. You know, for uh, some people who know me, they might know that I come from the medical world, right? Mm -hmm. I've had a long career in the medical business and I still do to some degree. Uh, one of the doctors that I used to work with, um, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll try to be as specific as possible. I'm a hip surgeon, knee surgeon, an ankle surgeon, whatever you may have it. I 
see an incredible amount of volume. And Tiger's mm -hmm. Little, whenever we talk about this, volume gives you the opportunity to test things and to see things out. In the right. case of a medical person, somebody hip surgeon in this, in this regard, but you can apply it to anything. Because I see so many hockey players, soccer players, track mm -hmm. athletes, and I see so many people with these injuries, I then develop a right. technique right. to reconstruct right. a certain anatomical aspect of the hip or to resurface the bone or to, I create a protocol, a rehabilitation protocol to get you back from your rotator cuff tear twice as fast. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, I also develop or invent a surgical tool or surgical device that helps me to just visualize that tight piece of the joint so much easier, which allows me to then produce these outstanding results. Another doctor, another doctor likes what I do. They then, they see the outcomes, they see the positive results. They then use the exact same technique, not the device that I invented, however, the medical world, it's an honor, it's a right. privilege, mm -hmm. it is a mark of, 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 of uh, the utmost respect that you cite or you right. give credit to the person who taught you this, right? right. And, and the, to do the opposite would be um, suicide, effectively, right? In the business world, in, in your world or in the legal world, is it, how is that viewed? I come up with a device, I come up with a right. protocol or something right. and, you know, it's given right. this, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's well received, put it that way. And then as a result, I develop, a, I invent something, I invent a knee brace, or I invent something. And then the people who come, who learn from that, they then attribute that success to, uh, you know, the right. work, the, the years of work that you put in. Right. How is that translating into the business world? Good, good question. Uh, in your hypothetical tech, your employer, <laughs> assuming that you, you had an employer, will be delighted. <laughs> and, 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 and because why? These employment attorneys have gotten craftier and craftier. All of you guys who have employers now, right? Uh, and not work you're doing in terms of an independent contractor, although I can, I'll get to that as well. Within your employment agreement, there's going to be what we refer to as an IP assignment agreement, where you agree, you know, in terms of you take this job for employment, you're in, you agree that any and all intellectual property, including things that could be patented, trademark, copyright, et cetera, uh, that you created or, you know, generated um, as a result of working on a job or if what you created is related to the business of your employer, you agree to automatically assign it to us. Not that they're going to ask you. It's compulsory. You took this paycheck. We get all of your intellectual property. Now, state law, like we're in California, the state says, well, you can't take it all. <laughs> you can take, you know, if they create something that's totally outside of 
the realm of the business, right? Then, and if they did it using their own resources, you can't take that. But the point I'm trying to make is that if you feel that you have an idea and you know what, wait a minute, I believe if you do X, Y, and Z, you do a little experimentation, I believe you can come up with something. At, at that point that you have the idea, you, you really have to make a life decision. And I'm not by any means encouraging anyone to quit their job. Let me repeat, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you do that. But what I'm saying is that if you do come up with something that's related to your job function or related to the business of your employer, just understand that they're going to say, we'll appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and they got, because be a contract law. Now, according to, in terms of patent law, you would have to be listed as the inventor. If your company decided to file a patent application, it'll be in your name, inventor. But below the inventorship would be what we have information about the assignee, uh, the assignee. You, the employer, or the assigner, via contract law, via your employment agreement, is compulsory. You ain't got to agree at all. You can quit the next day. It don't matter. We got that. And then, you know, there's paperwork to make sure they have it. So in terms of uh, tech, your question goes to in terms of credit attribution versus legal ownership rights. Um, yeah, you know, you should give credit attribution, you know, things, especially through the things that are kind of written and written works. But in terms of broadly speaking, in terms of ideas, creations, et cetera, you know, that, if you work for someone, it belongs to them. Now, even in the independent contractor scenario, you have to read the agreement, right? Because if the party on the other side, if they got a lawyer who knows a little bit about IP, they are gonna say, huh, as a result of you performing this job for us, although you're not an employee, you're just an independent contractor, guess what? Well, all the IP shifts this way. So here's the thing. At this point in time, in the information age, a lawyers as a in terms of a guild, and we're not talking about the, the top, but the top law firms. If you go down the pyramid where the bulk of lawyers are, we have to be more reasonable prior to the internet agent, and I, I like to think I'm an ethical dude, but at the end of the day, I can't separate myself from my guild. I'm part of the crew, part of the lawyer's crew. Before the internet, the public get hit over the head because you didn't know. There was no way for you to know. What are you going to do? Go to law school for three years? You didn't know. So even just giving you dispensing information to you came with a premium. You can go online right now and get a contract for $20. You can you can have done that back in the day. So the point I'm trying to make is that if you just want to have a conversation with a lawyer, the average attorney today, break them off a couple hundred dollars and get the information that you need. You come up with an idea, you think you may have something, but you know, wait a minute, I heard because I have an employer or an independent contract. Call your lawyer at that point in time. I had a situation where somebody down south called me 
And the company, it wasn't like it was a tech company they worked for. I don't even gonna name the type, but it was in terms of tech, it's probably the lowest, one of the lowest tech you could get. But the, the employment lawyers have become more sophisticated today, where they see any means that they can get as many rights as possible. You know, loyalty to companies, it ain't it ain't there anymore. People don't look like I'm gonna work for this company for 40 years. So while they got you, they gotta get everything from you. Right. <laughs> right. right. So Why? I hope that answers the question. Yeah. No, absolutely. A company like GE, for instance, yeah. General Electric mm-hmm. or Apple, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. care about patent, don't they? They care about mm-hmm. so if they care about it, should we care about it? like Sit the individual notary public book author digital creator. If a company like that cares about yeah. it, trillion dollars international. Should, does that mean we should care about it too? That that's a great setup, Tech. Let me the answer, the answer is yes, but let me give you another answer as well. You know, um, you, you know, it's a quiet kept secret that at the top of that pyramid, when you talk about the top like the Fortune 500, if they had it their way, they'll never say it. But if they had it their way, they would eliminate the patent system. Mm. The patent system really is for us. It's for the little dudes coming up. If you didn't have a patent system and you came up with a witty idea or some widget or some, some a creation, Right, you came up with lyrics to a song, a new melody, whatever. The only way you can really get into the market, and we know it's warfare, business is war. We, we know this at this point in time, right? The only way you can, I ain't gonna say one only way, but one of the ways you can kind of get in is that you can claim property rights to your creation. The big companies who already killing the game, who got 60 some percent market share, if there was no past system, they would just scour us. Hey, appreciate that, little man. I'll take that from you. Thank you. Holla and just go put it out. And they just use their resources and market dominance to kill, to crush you. That's right. So, what I'm gonna say is this: Tech, as us trying to come up as entrepreneurs, as visionaries, you gotta use the tools that you have. That's probably one of the uh, one of the most lethal tools you have, uh, you know, uh, and, or, or 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 weapons within your arsenal is the the IP system. Why are you not using the IP system when you cannot compete with Sony? You can't do it. Not as an independent songwriter, you can't do it. Mm. You can't compete with Facebook if you're trying to come up with your little social media platform. And I don't mean to be condescending, but like, how how else do you do it? It gives you a legal claim in court. Guess what? I came up with this idea. The U.S. Patent Office, now we're in a first to file system. I have to get on that later. But guess what? They reduced the fees for micro entity folks who make under $200,000, right? Or, or you got small entity, you got three classifications. They tax the big boards. But for us, the fees are lower. So, okay, you're able to memorialize your creations and there's a means of protection there where you can lock it up. 
You got to pay a lawyer. But okay. So if you do see when the big boys uh, copy you, you can go on the court. You have a legal claim. If there's no pass system or no intellectual property system, then guess what? How are you going to fight them? <laughs> you, can pull, you can pull uh, 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 any of these companies. They ain't going to name no names. Pull them in court. Hey, man, you copy me, man. I can prove it. Here's the original. What I did. And your artist, it sounds just like me. And they want no cover. What's up? So it mm. does not make sense. And this is the thing, man. As entrepreneurs, as visionaries, if you're going to do the darn thing, do the darn thing, man. Right. Quit playing. Right? And I'm talking as us. Quit playing. We're going to fight. You're going to fight. You know business war. You know these companies ain't going to just let you come in here and take 5% of the market, 10% of the market. Some of us have, you know, uh, uh, you know, our objective is to, to, to take over the game. How are you going to take over the game if you're not really serious? The IP system is really for you. The way it was designed that way, honestly. There was a whole thing about the US was a, the sole country up until 2013 where we were on a first invent system, which means that look, before they changed the law, and there's still people mad about them changing the law. Where guess what? If you could prove that you came up with it first in terms of conception, reduction of practice, you can prove it. Okay, guess what? No matter this person filed first, you can get it. That was for the little guy. That changed now. So if, if, if you got you get that digital or that spiritual download, right? Then you better act upon it. Don't tarry. I so what I'm hearing is ownership. And right. I have my owner beyond. Shout out to Oh, wow. <laughs> owner be on which is one of the things that, one of the that we live by over here so mm -hmm. that's why that's why this topic is so relevant it's it's so incredibly relevant and when you talk about reducing the fees how much would it cost for somebody to go in and and, and begin the process of trying to either copyright or patent by the way what is the difference between copyright patent trademark and then as far as fees and stuff how would somebody what would they expect to cost? Because, you know, we are no republics. Some no republics think they're lawyers. They think they went to law school, <laughs> in the law library. They right, went right. down to study. And a lot of our clients, they also call us with that same mentality that, I'm. hey, I know what a power attorney is. I can draw up a trust. And, right. But they never sat in the law library. They never studied a book. And they probably watched a bunch of YouTube. But if they, if ownership is the ultimate goal, if we understand that the system was made for us, in this case, the IP system, and they, and then, in um, you know, up until this point, which you're talking about, going about that, just beginning that process, what type of fees would they be, would they be expect, or should they even just forget about the fees and say, listen, the the end goal is the payoff, not so much the fees. Now, good, good question. You know, let's do this. Let's talk about the fees assessed by the copyright office, the trademark office, and the patent office. Okay, because the service fees for attorneys are going to vary, but for for copyright, you're looking at somewhere between fifty-five and sixty-five dollars per work. Come on now, that's, that? that's a, you can't get no cheaper than that now. You, you come on now, <laughs> fifty-five, sixty-five dollars. Now the attorney gonna put on his time, but at the end of the day, 
I think notaries, you guys sit in a very unique place because you are acquainted with a lot of documents, a lot of procedures. But I would still recommend to get the attorney because guess what? You can hold the attorney accountable, right? The attorney got malpractice insurance. If you fall and you screw it up yourself, then who are you going to blame? Mm. The attorney does this all day, every day. The attorney got to sit up here and read all the updated cases, et cetera. But so $55, $65 on copyright. On a trademark, you're looking at, depending on how you file it, and we're talking about electronically, I don't think anybody files written things on paper, although you can, they're going to tax you, but you're looking at 250 or 350 you know, uh, 250 you use the ID that they provide in terms of listing of good services, 350 you want to be more creative, but that's 250 or $350 now, the attorney going to add that their fee, but again, on the patent side, now, shoot, you're probably looking at about a little bit less than 500 for micro entity. You know, even for a small entity, I think it's about that in terms of fees. Uh, if you want, you know, if you want accelerated examination to kind of speed it through, like within 12 months of disposition, for them a disposition application, then you're going to pay several thousands for that. But that's what you're looking for. Now, if you want to file abroad, you know, those fees you got to, you know, either you file a PCT or Madrid application or you file directly to those countries and you have to kind of deal with those countries. But the point I'm trying to make is that you can see what the government, they've done their part per se, although I'm still not happy about them changing that law. We're going to get into that, you know, but the fees in terms of the filing fees are, you know, um, are more than reasonable. Um, now the attorney's going to charge whatever their attorney charge and that's just kind of the cost of doing business, right? There's a question from the chat. It's from okay. Jasmine. Kind of goes into a uh, little bit of what I wanted to ask as well. She says, say I wrote a book about business and stated in the book mm -hmm. that entrepreneurship starts with mindset. Would entrepreneurship starts with mindset? Would that fall under commonly known information? Or could someone who says, who said that in, in another book, could they sue me? That, that's a great question. That's a great question. That's a legal question. <laughs> um, well, that statement, well, um, it depends on how you're trying to protect it. If you're trying to protect it in terms of, well, let's say, well, I wrote it, so therefore I have, I have copyright property interest in that, then that's one analysis. If you're saying, well, I wrote it, and it's a quotable, and people now associate that quote with my work with me since it was in my work and I'm going to be producing other works like more than one book then that's more of a trademark issue but let me just say this on a trademark side it, all of it really depends um, if you try to basically file it as a, a trademark application because that quote in your book for some reason a lot of people quote it and they associate you with it if you're going to be producing more books, you could right now. The trademark office, before they it, before doing the examination of a trademark application, they're going to want to know whether the mark or what you say the mark is, is it something that's commonly used, right? And what they hit you with is what we call a two A refusal, because they'll say, guess what? That's that's in the public domain already. Right, I'm trying to think of a good example. Oh, I'll give you one. 
the one LeBron filed for, Taco Tuesday. LeBron, you should have called me, man. <laughs> but he tried to file for the trademark Taco Tuesday when he first moved to LA. And man, he never seen the trademark application examined that fast. I mean, as soon as he filed it, they must have said, yo, get on this today. <laughs> by, by the next page, like, reject it. Like, dude, don't come over here trying to try to get because listen you guys the ip system the trademark office the copyright office the patent office you're asking for you're asking for property rights that's it's intellectual property because the work came through your mind it's not tangible we can't see it well i guess you could for copyright but again it's, it's something that was created from the mind but you're asking the government that, yo, I lay claim to this and can't nobody get it. That's part of property rights. If I own this home and this property and I tell you to get off my property, you trespassing, you best to get up out of here because mm. I have property rights here. Same thing. Now, her question as well. Now, from a copyright standpoint, well, if someone used it before in a similar context, and the question is, do you have rights to that specific, that piece of that quotable? Well, if we can find it somewhere else, probably not. If it's in this, you know, because, and again, when it comes to copyrights too, the amount taken always comes into consideration. If it's in a book, it's gonna be difficult, but if it's in a rap song, you can take four or five words. Like living like Vida Loca. That's what Cisco did when he took that part from Old Boy's song and put it in the, the, the what song, right? <laughs> right. Wow. That became part of the hook. That was enough. So wow. the context too really kind of depends. So I, we'll have to kind of talk offline to kind of go more into it. But um, I hope I hope that helps. So. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, when something is, is your creation, so so this is a question from Regina. She says, in regards to intellectual property, trademark registration, is it a lengthy process? If so, what's the turnaround time frame of completion? Yeah, you know what? It's become lengthier <laughs> post-pandemic, when they catching up. And here's the thing, the trademark office, I'm sorry, the U.S. Patent Trademark Office in general or the entire IP system is a boom for the U.S. Treasury. Really? Economy go down? People say, you know what? I should have started that business. Filings go up. Uh, Economy's doing well. You know what? I got enough disposable income to go and, 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 and pursue this idea. I have. So, it, you know, they don't ever, filings don't typically go down. Then you got other people from offshore that are basically foul and want to get U.S. property rights. So to answer a question, generally speaking right now, if you file an application, we're not going to hear anything back for eight months. Post uh, pre pandemic, we would hear something three to four months. They came up with an advisory at the beginning of this year. The trademark office said, Hey, I know y'all know we we it's, things are uh, slower, it's gonna be slow. So, basically, eight months we're gonna hear anything. I would say, generally speaking, to get a registration was typical, I would say, probably 14 to 16 months from the time you file it is a decent time which is you know the fastest like copyright you can get something you get a registration there like two to three months mm. right um just to let you, the viewers know the trademarks you know you can file the u.s here u.s trademark office to get federal uh, get na national rights in all u.s territories 
Also, in every state that you live in, there's a secretary or state's office. You can also file for a state trademark that comes into play. Like, for example, area uh, states that kind of, quote unquote, legalize marijuana, like California, you can get state trademarks for, for those type of goods. If you file the U.S. trademark office, they're going to be happy to deny your application because it's still schedule one. It's still uh, it's still a crime. It's still illegal federally. They gotta they gotta do something about that. But yeah, when you talk about um, you talk about a boom system, you talking about that economy goes down. People start thinking about they get creative, right? People start coming up with stuff, and I think what that sort of ties into that's related to a lot of us here because coming up with uh, businesses and coming up with systems and processes themselves. So getting paid from your pet come getting right. paid from your work or your intellectual right. property right how's that tie into not just long-term wealth production but wealth creation for your entire family i'm talking about forever right for your great great grandkids how does one who has this great idea you came up with this great piece of software you came up with this app this book and then right. this or the notary, the notary war room, right? That's a question we have to ask. How does that, something like that, pay your family, protect your family for the rest, forever? You know, how, how does right. that? Well, um, Tech, basically um, that falls to an entire area of what we refer to as licensing. There's a whole ecosystem for that alone. And I would advise anyone, don't try that at home. <laughs> So at the end of the day, in terms of being able to pass down or to, to monetize on an intellectual property, it's going to be tied to the underlying value of the property itself. If you got a catalog of music that the world loves, right? You know, and that music you believe can stand the test of time, like a lot of our artists. You got works out here that can stand the test of time. Sure well, basically, you would license it to someone. Now, you know, I'm a prisoner in terms of how I was raised. You know, I was raised in Georgia by a woman who was born in 1916. Okay. So, Teddy, I ain't given none of in terms of assigning the rights, in terms of selling it. Property, if I own the property, I ain't giving it up. So the most you could ever get from me <laughs> will be something akin to a license, but every to each his own, right? But to answer your question, if you can monetize it today, then you could probably plot and turn and see what the royalties may be down the line. But the truth be told, and see, here's the truth, here's the thing, you guys. There's so many new platforms coming up. TikTok is different than Facebook and Instagram. It's different. I'm hearing songs. I'm like, man, this is popping. You know how they have the songs in the background, do a little dance. I'm like, and do little memes. So here's the thing. You create something, your truth be told, nobody really knows how you can monetize it two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. Listen, all of us young enough, God willing, we see five years from now, 10 years from now, who knows what new platform is going to be. So I would behoove you 
to take a conservative approach and say, sorry, you guys, I got to figure out how to turn up. I do not disturb, but I would behoove you guys not to give, now, not to dispose of it entirely. Mel, how do you license it? It's going to depend on the work. It's going to depend on what you uh, own a property. And then you get an attorney just to specifically draft an agreement that makes sense for that type of property, right? But, um, I, you know, I guess my overall point is that right now you, I would, because there's still so many shifts technically, uh, technologically, I would basically be very prudent in terms of how you dispose of rights. Wait, say, wait a second. Run that back. Run that. Yeah. You said, <laughs> you said, as a you as an individual yeah. raised in the South, raised in Georgia, y'all moms who, who mom seen, she saw some stuff. Grandma, grandma, grandma saw yeah. some stuff. Mm -hmm. She saw everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To you to bring that to say that I don't know if y'all thought that you said never sell. But see, all right, break that down. But tech, you know, this is Teddy who grew up a certain way and heard all these stories and saw things that to tell in. So again, I can't push this on my clients, but for me, I'm not selling it at all because that ultimately, once you part with something, again, every situation is different. See, and especially the engineer uh, entrepreneurs, I'm gonna get to a tech, I'm gonna take a roundabout way. Once you give some something to someone, you give that property, you can't get it back. Mm. See, we have this cultural thing where sometimes you give something, you think, well, that'd be cool. Maybe nah, nah, nah. The general rule is once you part with that, you give it, it's done. Mm. And if they explored it in a way, because look, this is what it comes down to a lot of times. And tech, we talked about this before. You know, if somebody wants to buy something from you, you know what they're really saying? What's that? <laughs> What's really going on, Brother Tech, is that guess what? They see something in what you have that you don't see. Right. Because they're never going to, who buys something for what it's worth? I'm only going to buy it if I believe that guess what? That's probably could gain in, in value, and I know how to do it. Mm. Would you really buy a house if you knew the home could never appreciate? Why would you buy it? <laughs> Jesus, good Lord of mercy, everybody's talking. But, but would you buy it? If you bought a house for, I ain't gonna use California prices, let's use non California prices for $400,000, but you knew the thing would never appreciate the value. You would look for you there. You look for something that you you thought you know what this thing can increase in value over time. This will be asset for the family. Same thing when it comes to properties you own, and when it comes to business. True indeed. That's true indeed. So that's why I'm not giving it up, because those who have been wiser than us, those who have had access to information that we didn't have, they knew that the entire time. The game was to get get you to get off what you what God gave you for them, so they benefit from it. Georgia down south, they happen all day, every day. 
we got tricked. We got, we signed things. We didn't understand what we were signing. You know, we trusted people. Generally speaking, when it comes to a contract, you got, you praying, Lord, I hope it just work out. Mm. But they praying too. <laughs> That's right. Lord, I, I hope you'll wise up and use common sense that you gave them to get somebody to help read the contract to use common sense. So you got a company and mm -hmm. you got an app or you're in a startup phase, you got a book, mm -hmm. somebody shows up to your doorstep with a duffel bag full of more zeros than you ever seen in your life. Right. You're not so, even done with your project. Would you sell shares of that or would you sell components of that? Or do you hold well, on to it? Tech, maybe, let me just say this for the record. Teddy got issues. Even as a lawyer, I have some issues, right? <laughs> you know, so I'm not going to tell everyone to do it my way. Truth be told, somebody, somebody may give, give you a great opportunity, right? And you may feel that, hey, I, I want to go ahead and take the bag, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But just understand when you take that bag, what's really going on is that the person that's buying it from you, they have a greater vision or understanding and what you have than what you have, than what you have than, than you do. Typically, unless you're scamming them. And we're not talking about scamming. Let's take scamming out of it. But if someone wants to purchase something from you, what they're saying is, guess what? This money I'm giving you. What I see and what you have is great, way greater than the money. Otherwise, I wouldn't buy. Otherwise, they wouldn't buy it. Yeah. One of my just, so, just understand that your vision is somewhat limited in what you have. Just like they say, a prophet never honored his own home. Well, you can apply that concept to everything else. Something. Mm -hmm. Listen, this is what happened with uh, Steve Jobs. And I believe Xerox when it came to the mouse. He went up in there. He said, what are they? What's, what's that? <laughs> they had a whole box of them, like, you want that? He was like, yeah, I'll take all of them to the end of rights. <laughs> this is the missing piece we needed. Wow. They said they had a mouse that helped you with user, uh, uh, help you with the user interface, better point. And they didn't know what they had. So sometimes in our prayers, we have to ask God, and it's not a spiritual channel right here, but we have to ask God for vision and understanding of what he's already given us. All these prayers going up and the Lord looking down, like I gave him everything. I gave him this person's life. He got, he's skilled in administration. This person got the resources. She it's good. Or I gave him everything. While all these prayers keep coming up in here, coming coming up. <laughs> you know, that's so, right. And that's a, and, and it happens all the time where you are part with something that you're not knowing that you part with something God already he, he already the blessing right there, but you didn't you didn't you you can see it. Yeah. So with a breakdown to it. You know, like the individual themselves, them their situation, them circumstances. You might want to take something that, or a, an amount because, or a partnership that you may not have otherwise, you know, have understood the full details. But you know, you don't do that without. Or what I'm hearing is that you wouldn't do that without the proper guidance or counsel or advice. One of my mentors, Tiger Salito, who's on here, 
he says, never take the first offer. Right. Who gives the best offer the first time? <laughs> <laughs> never Just like the- in the long game, the son of an offer. <laughs> then he's, you know, I, mean, I, I got a few cases right now. One day insulted us, man. This is insulting, man. Like, I don't even see how y'all can put that on the paper. <laughs> right? Now, here we are close to the trial. Okay, now, this is sounding about right. Mm. Still ain't where we need to get to, but it's sounding about right. And all I'm saying is, look, I'm not saying you can't sell what you have. I can't, I'm not saying that you can't sell your company. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is just understand that amount they're giving you for it. Just understand that their vision understanding of where they see they can take it is way above what they offer you. Otherwise, they wouldn't offer it to you. There's an old expression down south that goes something like this. If I had to pay you what you were worth, I couldn't hire you. Mm. (laughs) Wow, that could change my entire dynamic on how I approach employment and, and, and contract work and yeah, yeah. But we also understand that, you know, that's, you know, it, it comes with, you know, with how we move with business. And um, in, in terms of when you're trying to measure what's valuable, is there any type of metric or any type of analytical statistic that you can, that tells you that this is valuable? I create a minimal viable product. It's stripped down, but it still works. How do I know? Is it because it's popular? Is it because of the number of units of sales, number of income? Is it because people are, you know, my users are sticking around? How do I know? How do I know that this is valuable? Well, here's the thing, tech, that question is probably more of a business question and a question that you have people who work within like um, yeah, like Arthur Anderson folks. Economists can give you an answer to that question. Matter of fact, and, and while we're on the, on the topic, I'm gonna ask you a question, but all of you entrepreneurs should make friends with economists. Part of your answer, and an economist could, could answer that question in terms of utility, in terms of, even in terms of momentum, in terms of how you're penetrating the market. What they won't tell you is that in a lot of these tech companies, you think that their top employees in terms of value are the engineers coming to all these these, uh, sophisticated tech things, right? And the programmers. But economists, they're the people who say, well, guess what? All right, they uh, they know how to leverage and maximize labor. They also know how to really determine how to put out products for the market as it is right now. There was an article that went under the radar that came out out here several years ago that some of the, these economists, they're some of the highest paid people in these tech companies. In fact, in a lot of graduate schools, they poaching them. They ain't even getting a PhD yet. They poaching them. Right out of so, you know, I would say utility, if it, again, I, that's kind of out of my lane tech, but to me, utility, if people are using that thing, 
Like, yo, I can't stop using this thing. It works. It does because every product is a good service. It's supposed to perform a certain function. And that's how you got to think about your product. What job does it does it perform? And does it it and can it do it well? And is there any other uh, uh, products out here that performs that uh, performs this job? And that's in everything in life, right? And hopefully we can articulate it. But I would say that um, you know momentum is one in utility. If you see that you know what this thing is kind of like, man. The numbers are growing in terms of my customers, users, et cetera, and they're using it. That's why uh, TikTok is such a force is because it's spreading and people are on the app all day. Right. right. High utility. Let me ask you this, because I know you promised us an hour and now we are just at that time. So I do appreciate you giving us this much amount of time I know a lot of, and then we'll start to wrap this up and then take some questions. I know a lot of people like to romanticize vision boards and mm -hmm. their, uh, you know, their, their, their prayers and, you know, what they want to happen. But really the action is really what the decisiveness is really what gives us the results. Can you give us maybe a one or two, what type of action steps could uh, anyone watching this who is an entrepreneur, who's a book author, who maybe have developed some type of protocol, what type of action steps could they take? Something, nothing too complicated, but just something that they could do that so that they can cross off that vision board or at least take off that. Or, you know, we always say you can't notarize your thoughts. That's something I say. You can't notarize your thoughts. It's in your head. It's got to be on paper. It's got to be real. It's got to be tangible. So, the idea that I got this vision in my head, I wrote it down, I got my chalkboard up there. Um, that's not what's going to get it done. What type of action steps, what type of decisions that I could take, you know, so, as small as it might be, that I right. can make this a reality? Well, well take, I'll say this, and I'll, I'll say, I'm going to say one that's very fundamental, but I'm going to keep it real with you. I think in the real, 90s, man. I was in high school and college in the 90s, I keep uh referring back to that referencing that decade but like we didn't i would say what i mean we it wasn't really commonly thought of or known amongst at least my tribe <laughs> that you needed a team to build something if you're going to build something a lot of times you kind of went off on yourself and try to build it and you know it just didn't really pop the way you really wanted to we didn't really understand that that simply because you can you were you were a beast in terms of making barbecue and ribs and all that 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 would qualify you to be a business owner that you could own the business of selling barbecue we it wasn't generally known i hate to say it like that but it, it really wasn't so the first thing is like if you are building something you have a venture if you don't have a team that's almost, honestly, it's negligent. Mm. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is look outside of our culture, look, look at other successful people and see they had a team. And to some extent, I think this is why, at least at the time, New York hip hop became so powerful because you really look at it 
they didn't call them teams, they called them crews. They were crews, right? But, and I won't get into that, but I'm saying is that like, you need to have a team of folks with disparate skills. You, as the visionary, need to really sit down and say, okay, I need this, 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 and this, all right? You need, you know, you can't run a business without marketing. So either you hire an external team or you get somebody on the team who knows about that, right? There's, you know, and so the first, that's the first thing you're going to need. If you don't have a team, and I want to tell you, if you want to go into the VC world and, and, and you know, and try to get uh, money, then they're, they're going to not take you seriously if you don't show up with a team. Mm. And then number two, at the end of the day, it all comes down to what the product is. How good is the product? Like, so if we're going to be obsessive, then we need to obsess about that. About making sure that the product is A1. And a lot of times it's hard to do that if you got to pretty much do everything. You're wearing too many hats. Somebody got somebody to practice. Uh, uh, someone has to focus on the product. You got you got a strong product. If you have a strong product, it's hard to screw. You know, you can screw everything else up, but you're gonna be all right. The opposite ain't necessarily true. Wow. Yeah. You could. Yeah. That, so, in terms of if you got a strong product, you got a strong, successful team, or at least you're delegating, your 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 you know your your optimizing, you know everyone's role then what do you feel and then we'll this will be my last question and then we'll kind of open it up to the question um venture capital funding how does the how do you feel about seeking venture capital funding assuming you have a viable product you have at least one other person doing something right you're not doing everything right is that a reality for people who are in the startup phase or or do you now have to transition into a different role as yourself, taking it back from just your everyday stuff in terms of you know, venture capital funding? Well, I'll say this with VC. First of all, let me, again, I don't want to say anything too controversial, right? Because <laughs> I don't want to be coming yeah. and saying the room of controversy. Man. Come on, all right, man. right. Teddy, Teddy said that. Well, <laughs> just understand that it is, it is known, this is not conspiracy theory that, you know, when it comes to, to VC funding, that the purpose of the, when a VC gives an investment, each investment has, the, the way it's written in terms of the agreement, is to recoup the fund. So I can lose on, if I give a, you know, 20, if I make 20 investments, I can lose on 19, that one will recoup, will make up for all the losses of the other 19, and we still, we still make out like bandits. Mm. That's the VC model. So you, it would be wise for you to make sure that not you using your, your own uh, understanding, but make sure that you have the folks in place to really understand the deal. Because the VC model, they know most of their investments are going to fail. So if this business model works for them, the VC model, what does that say about every individual agreement? In terms of how it benefits the entrepreneur, 
This is normal, right? They only need a couple to win. And they know they're going to lose most of the time. So each deal, you know, so I would say, you know, there's becoming more and more ways to get finance. I'm not saying that you should not take, if you, uh, if someone wants to give you finance or uh, invest in a, a venture capital, a capitalist, I think that is great. I think that's wonderful. But I'm just saying, make sure you understand the deal. Me personally, as a lawyer, I don't like, I don't like playing a game that I ain't skilled in. Like, I'm not going to play your game. I'm going to play my game so I can dominate you in my game. If I play a game that I'm a novice in, I'm more, more likely going to lose. So why would I play that game? I'm just saying, you know, there's other ways you can get financing. You may want to look into it, not to say that you shouldn't take any money from VCs, but just understand what their business model is. That's true. That's true. Understanding what the game actually is. What is a venture capitalist in, at the end of the day? That's that's so, man. That I can't uh, hammer that home enough. That's that's a uh, that's powerful right there. And you know, you know, it's a reality for some people that they jump into something, get excited about it, and then they end up screwing themselves. But because they don't understand the game, they try to understand it themselves rather than hiring you getting somebody who can understand it right right we gotta get out you know my thing is i don't it's not about if i'm going to engage in anything especially like an agreement a contract i'm going to make sure that teddy i understand the agreement i'm going to understand the terms of the agreement if i don't understand it i'm not going to act like i understand it i'm gonna say i don't understand it and i'm not going to trust you that you understand that ultimately i'm responsible for what I put myself into, right? So again, just understand from the VC model, it's set up that most of their investments are gonna fail, but they the way they structure each deal is that if any one of them wins, they make out like bandits. So what must that mean for the other person, the other entity on the other side of that transaction? What, 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 and again, I'm not saying that you can't make money, but just understand that the deal, it has to be one-sided. Because most of the investment fail. So just understand what you're getting into. Every every deal is different. I'm not going to sit here and say you should not take money from a VC. They're, they're giving more uh, African-Americans money, which is great. But if I can keep it real, tech, I hate to say this, you can talk to some people who, founders who didn't got that money. And I have to be very, very careful the way I say this. They're like a good idea over there. Guess what? We'll give them the money. We get to put people on the board. We'll give him, if he can, if he can perform a miracle, throw a Hail Mary within a certain amount of time, give him two years. Don't, don't get it done in two years. We kick him out. We'll put in a CEO from Ivy League school, someone that we trust, someone who we feel that can do the job, someone that we feel comfortable with that can do it. You took their money, didn't you, right? The fine yes. print, you didn't know. Now they got more people on the board than people in, than you, people in the original team. Don't think these, when they, when they part with these millions, that the, the game is almost kind of fixed at that point. 
and I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to have these VCs coming at me, <laughs> little old me. <laughs> but if you were to talk to some of these founders, you see, listen, people like to talk about the wins. You don't hear about no losses. I read a book that was written out here in Silicon Valley in the 80s, and they talk about how all these companies, when people, when they hit their liquid, liquidation event and they make all this money, but just think about, we all went to school, just think about it logically, physics. If one person, one company wins big, if this one company cashes out for 30 billion, what must that say about the other tens of thousands of companies and entrepreneurs, what happened to them? True indeed. Things gonna balance out, right? So if this joker could cash up for 25 billion, a lot of people left here without their shirt. Mm. Wow. We gotta use common sense too now. Who gonna give you tens of millions for an investment and not structure the contract where guess what? It's gonna be more and more favorable to them. They got the money. They're the ones taking all the risks. They're accepting all the risks. At least early on, they are. You tell you talk to some of these, and again, I'm not just I'm not trying to discourage. I'm just saying, make sure that you you get the people around you that really understand what you're going to be contractually bound to and what position you're going to put your baby, the company, into. The truth of the matter, let me ask some balance. You can't really scale a company without some capital, without sufficient capital. Every company, every one of them still take loans. All the big tech companies, they have loans, you know, even just to help with the cash flow. So I'm not saying that you can't take, you can't receive investment and things like that for capital. You need capital. But what I'm saying is make sure you understand the terms of your deal. And if you don't understand it, it's cool to say you don't understand it. Hire some people who do. And if you just can't understand it, then maybe you should wait a little bit before you do that. Wow. That's, I've got a whole page of notes here. I mean, from ownership to, to something you hit on early on, which was the history from the 1800s, from the origination of the patent office to, you know, your own family, talking about how deals were done in the 80s. The history to me is also so important is knowing how things came about whether it's a product or whether it's a law how did what issue was occurring at that time to then develop or create this intervention and uh i took away a lot of gems i appreciate you giving us this information uh we got a little bit of time i don't want to take up too much of time we, you've already over delivered uh you know <laughs> promised us an hour so you already gave us more time. so if you got a moment, uh, yeah, if there are any questions, you know, come and go ahead and ask uh, Mr. Herbert, uh, Teddy Patty here, who's our esteemed guest. If you want to take off a mute, maybe just say a thank you or at least ask a question. We got time for at least two. Yeah, go ahead and raise your hand and then uh, we'll unmute you. Then that way you can ask your question. There was a question about, um, can you explain the difference between copyright, trademark, and patent? You kind of touched on that earlier. Okay, specifically, okay. So a patent, um, any, any times you, okay. So let's start with, all right, let me start with tra trademarks. The trademark is basically anytime you have something that serves a mark, what we, what we refer to as a mark, typically it's going to be a word mark, like a like word or phrase. You could have a logo, 
like design element logo. Uh, you know, sometimes it could be a sound, right? A, a Harley, the engine. People who are in the motorcycle, oh, that's a Harley. That could be trademark, right? It could be a color, like Facebook, the shade, their shade of blue. So anything that's a mark, anything that can appeal to the senses that serves as a source identifier, right? I've never been to Nike headquarters. I never met Phil Knight. I see that swish, that's a chain mark. Oh, that's that company in Oregon. They, they get busy over there in terms of sports apparel and, and sport and shoes. If it's to serve as a source identifier in the marketplace to say, with, so when customers see that mark, whether it's the, the engine humming of a, of a motorcycle or the swoosh check mark on, on, on shoes, uh, or if it's a color gradient like on, 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 faith, uh, on social media, it's supposed to, oh, okay, this is associated with this entity that I've never seen anymore, right? And I've, I've ascribed goodwill, at least the public has, in terms of the quality and expectations we can get from their goods. That's that's a trademark. Okay. If, if, if you use that mark in commerce, trademark. A copyright is any type of work. And so if, if I create a painting, that is my work. If I score some music, that's my work, right? Um, let's see here. Um, if I come up with, um, you know, some type of play, right? That is my work, right? And so whatever your work is, that's your own creation. That's something that you've created. Then you can get, you can, uh, a copyright basically gives you rights to the work such that if anyone tries to reproduce the work, right? So let's say, um, I, I have a store and I sell barbecue at the store and I'm playing hip-hop music in the background. Do I have a license to do that? That's not personal use. I'm using it. My music, I'm putting that hip-hop out there to draw people into the store. They hear them tunes, they come over to the store to buy my barbecue. Right? I have, I have property rights to it which in what we call the bundle of rights, I can prevent you from using it. I can prevent you from making an adaptation of what we call a derivative work. If I come up with a song, you just can't come up with a, um, a remix to my song. You got to get permission to do that. A patent is anything that is really, it's, um, a patent is any type of like apparatus, device, system, or method that has utility. It has to do something. Right. And so if I create a new widget that has some type of functionality, I would get a patent on that. In other words, no other person can produce a widget that has this functionality or is configured this way to have this uh, functionality or uh, has this whole process uh, step flow to create this. You would get a patent on that. Right. It, you know, so even if the patent is something that is, well, I won't, I won't say that, but that is based on patent. So sometimes it's hard to kind of distinguish, you know, between the two. But like, you know, in the law, we just say, well, a, a patent has to have these elements. It has, to, it has to have utility. It has to be novel. In other words, it has to be new. Trademark, it has to be distinctive. 
In other words, that mark needs to look and appear and it's appear, appeal to the senses in a way that's distinctive from all other marks for related goods, right? And then a copyright, it just needs to be original. In other words, did the creator himself, the person who created it, did they create it themselves? Or was it an adaptation? Did they copy someone else? If they, if it came from their mind, no matter if it's very similar to what somebody else came up with, and you know that they didn't know about, if it came from their mind, it meets the originality requirement. And so, guess what? They can get a, a copyright for that. So you get copyrights for works. You get a trademark registration for, for marks, things that are, you know, for commercial use, and then you get a patent for inventions that you know, that have utility, that, you know, it performs some purpose. I have a question for you. Have you ever been sued? Me personally? Yes. Yeah. Someone told me you're not in business until you've been sued. Oh, and that says, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, but you know what? Um, well, yeah, kind of, kind of. It it's not what you kind of typical think of, but... Here's the thing right here. Um, that is some truth. Yeah, well, it's some truth to that. And the reason why it is because business is war. And so it's hard to get market share without basis. <laughs> it's like being in an octagon. <laughs> there are rules, but at the end of the day, it's eight people in here, and I ain't trying to get hit. Mm, some blood. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, that was a, I like that saying, but uh, I don't want to ever get sued like that. <laughs> but they say if you do a big if you do a big business, it's it's inevitable. No. Well, it's I'll say it's inevitable that you will be involved in a lawsuit. Gotcha. It's inevitable. Gotcha. The, the bigger the company, the more you're targeted anyway. Even in terms of like IP, in terms of what they call patrolling, they go after all the big companies. If you're making money, then you automatically become a target because everyone knows you have money. So they're going to definitely sue you because even to sell it for like nuisance value, I'll take 15, 20 grand. You're going to sell it because it only makes sense. For you, it don't make sense for you to pursue every. The, these big companies, they get locked, they get sued, they get new complaints during it every week. Mm. Every week, somebody's suing Facebook. Wow. Every week. They get a new lawsuit every week. Are these from what I what I understand as to be, because you use the word trolling. I've never heard that expression. <laughs> I, I know that expression, but I mean, maybe you're using it in a different context. Well, I don't understand, but the trolling and me from being in this accelerator, understanding the difference between what may be trolling, but a, a fast follower, somebody who likes Facebook or likes TikTok right. versus an imitator, somebody who just completely rips it off versus somebody mm -hmm. who just admires them or somebody who just, like, is there a difference between what the, what you're describing trolling versus mm -hmm. you put out something and then somebody who just, are oh, I really like what you put out or somebody who's just completely imitating over somebody right. who just... Well, when we say trolling, like in pop culture, trolling means like you're <laughs> how you when you're kind of like giving someone a, a, a hard time for the sake of really getting attention, you just kind of like. <laughs> but in the legal, in patent law, 
the, the term patent troll has been around for 30 years. A patent troll is a company that acquires patents for the sole use of being able to sue companies. So they sit down, and they project where the market is going to go, and they draft patents for that such that they know, okay, technology is going to eventually get here. And when it gets here, I'm going to sue. That's something called a patent troll. But like wow. your social media troll, you just said all type of crazy stuff for attention, right? Yeah, we can, we got enough of those. We need less of those people. Right, right. Well, we need less patent trolls too. <laughs> less of those even more. Right. There's a question from YouTube. It says, can you speak to what it takes to protect a proprietary business process, please? Um, that's a good question. Um, to some degree still, you can file what you call a business method patent to if you know how to do it. So you can file a business method patent um, or you can really put a, uh, lock it up in a way or keep it disclosed in a manner that it really becomes trade secret. And just make sure that your employees and contractors, they understand you working here, but there's certain information here in terms of how we do business or how we set up our business model for our company that is trade secret because it gives us a competitive um, a com competitive advantage in the marketplace. Yes. Powerful trade secret. So you guys hear, you guys heard it. You guys who are fortunate enough to be here and get your questions asked, thank you guys for coming. Listen, Mr. Herbert T. Patty, it's been an honor, it's been a privilege. He knows his history, guys. Listen, he knows his stuff. He's bringing it to you, bringing information that is gonna help you to to exponentially take off in whatever business opportunity that you have. Can you please give us some closing words, plug your firm, whatever uh, events you have going on or any type of uh, things, announcements you wanna make or anything you wanna put on our radar, how can we support you? Um, well, hey, again, pleasure to be here, you guys. You know, I'm always uh, happy to have this, you know, have these type of conversations. Uh, I would say that, you know, if you know that you really have something, you feel that, you know what, you have a venture and you really believe in what you have, right? Which if you don't, you should just go ahead and do something else, right? But right. in general for us that, for the ones that you know you really have something, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I would go online, read as much as you can about intellectual property in general in terms of the basics. And beyond that, get a lawyer on your team. It doesn't make sense to have a venture and you don't have any type of access to some attorney. So get 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 a business attorney. There are all types of attorneys here. Generally, um, attorneys have a network of other attorneys that can kind of point you if you need something more specific. But that would be my recommendation. Just get a get an attorney on your team. They're so the the the, the face of law has changed so much over the last twenty years that you can find an attorney that you that that you feel comfortable with. True indeed, true indeed. Yeah. At the very least go out and get some type of counsel, get some direction. Pay right. the money, people, pay the money. <laughs> or you're gonna pay later on, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for coming through and uh, blessing us with your presence. It really was, yep. a, really was a privilege. And again, guys, go ahead and seek out the information that you are trying to give. Do it on your own, but don't rely solely upon yourself, guys. Go and get that expert help that you so dearly, desperately need because it's going to be important for, you know, not just you and your company's liability, but 
your own family, right? This is why we do this. We do this so that we can continue to support ourselves. And that you heard it here first, from a historical perspective, how these things have changed and how they've completely, you know, for the better or not, not so much good, but, you know, this is um, incredible information that, you know, all of us are in this phase, but it's time to, if you're serious about it, right? If you, if you want to go there, then go ahead and take those necessary steps, guys. So thank you. All right. All right, check. I got to run to 11 o'clock call, but I appreciate it. Any questions, uh, have folks uh, send me an email or just go to my website, uh, www.hcplaw.com and Set for consultation. I'd love to talk to you. Thank you. Absolutely, brother. Okay. Are you good with Are you All right, y'all. Yeah, there you go. Hey, thank you guys for coming to this version of the Notary War Room. I'm your special guest host, Tech Amaku. You can follow me at Dr. Tech Music on Instagram. And I am out of here, you guys. Thank you guys for joining us. And make sure you catch the replay. Subscribe to the Notary War Room on YouTube. And you can find us on Instagram.